Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a series of podcasts helping you produce performance on purpose. For more information, go to our site qedod.com forward slash podcasts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So today I'm talking to Charlotte Waller. Now Charlotte's a bit of a force of nature and um, she's um, someone who works with us and I'm uh, really excited to talk to her because I think she's got all sorts of interesting things to tell us this afternoon. Um, so hi Charlotte. Hi Russell, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you, very well. Excited to be here. Do you know what? It's July and the sun's out. Not where I am. It ah. is. It is peeing down with rain where I am. <laughs> you, you must be in the big city, eh? I am in central London, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> what can I say? So, Charlotte, um, if you were to uh, introduce yourself, I mean, what, what would you say you do? How would you, how would you describe it to someone that knows nothing about you? Or? What would I do? So, uh, my, my, I mean, my job is all about generating leads uh, from the internet. So, I uh, grew up. I grew up with digital. I'm one of those um, people that have had a, you know, an iPhone or, or an iWhatsit in their hands since, well, not since they were born, but since they were young. So, I started with um, uh, something called search engine optimization, which is essentially getting websites more visible on Google in order to generate leads that way. And then I went into you know, other bits of paid advertising and, and social media and such like that. And now um, I run a company that generates leads from the internet, for mainly for B2B uh, clients uh, via a process called inbound lead generation. So that's me in a nutshell. Marketing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you, but, with, but, the with, slant. With, the, with the techie slant. With the techie slant, I didn't realise you were doing techie stuff as well, are you? Well, yeah, it's all quite, it's all quite, um, gets quite fiddly. It's, a lot of it's automated, uh, what we do. So, yeah, it gets quite technical. I like to think. Oh, so you're not doing like, you're not, you're not like doing technical computer stuff, like telling um, people, to, not telling people to turn their computer off and turn it back on again. We do a bit, of, I mean, there's a bit of coding, but no. no. Bit of coding. <laughs> a little bit of that, a little bit of that. <laughs> no, I can only, I can only imagine. Oh, I'm sure you're not so bad. So, anyway, well, that's great. So, Internet, digital, you're a woman of the current age then. So so how did you get here? Where did you start? How did you get to where you are today? Because I know there's quite an interesting story linked into all of this. So Is this in terms of career or in yeah, terms of start in terms go back to the go back to the beginning. How how did you I mean did you go to university? What what where, how did you get all started? Yeah, sure. So I actually went to university. I have, believe it or not, I ended up with in working with computers, but I actually have a, a nutrition degree. So I studied Oh, I studied, it was a funny degree, it was it was called Exercise, Nutrition and Health and they kind of sold the course to us as in you could go into nutrition and be a nutritionist or you could be a sports scientist with this degree. Reality was you couldn't really do either, you kind of had half, you could half do one and half do the other. So I um, know a lot about sports science and nutrition, I love my sports myself and then um, I had a part-time job whilst at university which was... Just, just uh, adding content to website and such, and then someone, this uh, search engine optimization that I used to do, someone said to me, you know, this is a really hot and up and coming industry, and I found myself quite good at it. So, oddly enough, whilst I, I suppose ironically enough, whilst I was studying at university to do nutrition, I came across my eventual career path through a little little part time job, which was uh, quite interesting. So, was it was it by accident? Do you think, or how? how 
Yeah, yeah, I was total, total, total accident. Yeah, if I hadn't been studying nutrition, I probably wouldn't have got the job in computers. <laughs> so, it's funny how life turns out. So, for people who are thinking about resilience for for a minute, and um, and they see an opportunity in front of them, what was it about that opportunity where you suddenly went, "Flip an egg! This is what I want to do." Ooh, I think I couldn't get bored of it. I know it sounds oh. very simple, but I was—I would—I would do this work, and I would learn about this topic, and I just couldn't get bored with it. And I think that—that—that uh, that, that, uh, enjoying something that much is what kind of helps lend you the resilience when you go through the tougher times. If you just—if you enjoy it no end, and it's not work to you, it's—it's it's easier to to go through some tough times with it. So when you say it's not work, is it because you—you you just? enjoying every second or something is that how yeah i mean i'm a few years on now so it's it's starting to become work now but at the yeah. time at the time it was not work at all i'd worked uh, new year's eve once i worked till about 10 o'clock just because i wanted to so i think that's uh, that's key and you know just finding something that you love what well, so, was in my case so when you came to the end of university did you oh, i assume you got the degree but then you decided to go into the digital world did you yes yes i did i worked for the nhs briefly uh, but it wasn't i mean it wasn't for me i had sort of struggled to be uh, told what to do <laughs> I, I, having, having met you many times, I can't imagine you in the NHS. I'm gonna say. <laughs> Do you know what? It was. It was. It was um, the people in the NHS are lovely. It's just obviously it's a hugely pressured organisation. I mean, everyone in there. There's a lot of um, a lot of lack of resilience in the NHS. Actually, people are so overworked because of the demand. It's actually very very interesting uh, from a resilience perspective. Mm, interesting. So. So the, the business has grown? Have you grown up by design or has it been a series of accidents? A series of accidents. I now, I, yeah, I, like I say, I started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, got some clients, got a few more. I've now got, um, got a partner and we've started up something a little bit more professional because it was just me with the computer previously. Right. Uh, completely by accident, completely by accident. So, so when you say you... It was by accident. I, I imagine there came a stage where you said, actually, I want to do this. And so was it really by accident? Or did you, because I remember meeting you and you didn't seem like a person that was doing anything by accident. It sounded as if maybe you were pretending, but you certainly seemed to be to have, have a real clear sense. Even if you didn't know how to get there, you seemed to have a clear sense of where you wanted to go. I think I knew I, yeah, I knew I wanted to be in this industry and I knew I wanted to work for myself. But I think... And the other options weren't that appealing to me, so I suspect I, 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 I suppose that led to the uh, uh, the determination to kind of make it work. Actually, right. Now, one one of the things that obviously someone who hasn't met you wouldn't know is you have enough energy for seven. <laughs> like my dad, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just I'm just intrigued. Is that because you take conscious decisions about how you manage your body and such like, or as I come from your neuroscience, from the nutrition and science thing? How, how does that all hang together? I actually don't think I have much energy at all. So my um, my father's got a, a ton of energy, and compared to him, I I think I'm quite <laughs> quite lazy. <laughs> but, um, how do I get energy? I suppose clean living helps. I sleep a lot. <laughs> Early mornings help. Just your your, your classic. Uh, your classic, uh, you know, eating well and, and staying fit, I suppose, and enjoying what I do. I think it's not an effort for me to spend twelve hours a day at a computer, which I think I think it's just it's just crucial to in, to enjoy what you do if you're going to ride through any tough times with it. Can you can you imagine being in a job where you absolutely hate it? Oh God! I, well, I have my moments with, with this, just when you know you're having a bad day. I, I think everybody universally has that, but I think if you're 
um, stuck in a in a job in an industry you hate. I mean, you, five sevenths of your life you're not enjoying. I can't. Uh, it must be. Uh, yeah, it's really difficult. It must be really difficult to kind of go in on a Monday, last the day. I mean, when you when you sort of see your clients, do you? Would you have any advice for someone who's sitting in a job saying, "I hate it, but I don't know, I don't know what to do about it"? Just say, "Get out." <laughs> yeah, right. I, don't, I can't think of many people that have taken the plunge, so to speak, and and regretted it. I can't. In fact, I can't think of anybody. I would say, just get out, work out your minimum, you know, the leanest budget you can possibly survive on, whether that means living at home or or anything, and then just yeah, get out, do something you enjoy. It's, you you won't look back. Right. I certainly never did. Right. So um, we're not going to talk about your father, but actually, um, I mean, for, for those people in the know, we're going to do a, um, a podcast with you and your dad at some stage. And, uh, oh, are we? We are. Okay. He's already, he's already just let you know, he's already agreed to it. Okay. That's news to me. <laughs> well, like, well, like you said, he's got plenty of energy. True. Very true. So, um, so talk to me now about marathons, because I, I, as someone who, you know, is not really interested in this sort of thing... I, I want you to tell us what you've done marathon-wise. Okay, so again, it's a story about uh, starts with my dad. Really, uh, we started running together when I was fourteen, and I um, he he did the London Marathon when I was seventeen, I think, and, and I went to watch him and loved all the all the you know all the energy in it and I loved supporting him. And I decided I wanted to do a marathon. Oh, maybe it was 16. Anyway, so um, watched him do a marathon. I wanted to do one. So the moment I was 18, we entered the Berlin Marathon together. So that was a really special. Hurt like hell. Not allowed to swear, but that really hurt. Did, okay. did quite well and got the bug for it. And then, um, oh, I think a couple of months, I also got into the London Marathon. So I ran uh, Berlin in September, London in April the next year. And it, it kind of uh, transpired that we ended up running a marathon on every continent uh, together. And we were the third father-daughter pairing in the world to do so, finishing off in Antarctica and South America in 2013, I think. Good so quite so. experienced. Done, I've, I've done nine marathons, my dad 18, I believe. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's done a lot. It might be 19 now. I think he's one short of 20, actually. I think it's 19. Yeah, but be fair, he's got a few years on you, so I mean, you've done well, nine, yeah, you've done nine in three time, years. Though. Yeah, he's done a lot. He's done a, he's done a huge amount of running. But so have you. Goodness me, all those hours in such <laughs> yeah. a short period of time. Blimey. Perry, you're mad. So, so how do you how do you manage your body? How do you how do you manage your resilience in terms of fitness and bouncing back after a marathon, repairing, recovering? What, what, what's is there a strategy for that, or is it how does it so, work? Yeah. So, so in terms of recovery, broadly speaking, I think most of the literature says it's around a day per mile. So recovery is pretty easy because the race is done. Uh, you, you just recover. You, you're not got anything else in the diary. The the difficult thing is recovering. Uh, whilst you're training so if you do a long if you're working at a full-time job and you've got to train for a marathon and you know, you, you run 20 miles on the Sunday and then you go down the, the track and do some speed work on the Tuesday I think managing your body sort of then and your resilience and your mental resilience then when you're kind of you're exhausted and you've got to go out in, in the middle of winter and run six miles in the freezing cold I think that's that's more difficult so so how do you manage that mental resilience what well, how do you do it oh I think, well, for me personally, I, I had one marathon. I ran the Sydney Marathon and I didn't train properly and I neglected my training. And uh, um, I think that experience was so horrible, I swore I'd never neglect it again. So right. that 
feeling of, of, of how horrible that marathon was and made me kind of push me through it and then just it's just your usual stuff eating well and sleeping well and it's not easy though it's not easy I think it's if you, if you have a full-time job it's a it's a lot harder so how do you mean if you have a full-time job it's harder because you can't give the time to it yeah, absolutely. Well, my first, uh, my first few marathons, I was on a year off, so I could commit plenty of time to training. But um, when I got into full time work, it became a lot harder because you're out forty, fifty, sixty hours a week uh, working, and then you you come home, you get a bit of time to yourself, and you got to go out and punish your body again. <laughs> so, so, so you, so you say, well, you just eat the right things. So, so tell me a bit more about that. Then, well, how do, what does that look like eating the right things? Because right obviously, thing. what you're doing is you're building your body to operate at. Not just a peak for a small amount of time. It's about how you build your body to be good at, over a, a long period of time. I, mean, I think it's, it's all this. It's all the stuff people know and hear about. It's your, your porridges for breakfast. Your everything in moderation. Uh, plenty of fruits. Plenty of vegetables. Uh, rounded meals. It's. It's. Not, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just the regular. Any any health blog will will say the same thing. It's just the, you know, not so many sweets and, and you know, not so much alcohol and, and and things like that. It's just so, your, so your standard not, healthy diet. So you're saying not so much. You're not saying none. You're saying not no. so much alcohol. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to be a saint, <laughs> but right. I think it helps um, get through training sessions. If, if you've got an early morning session or an evening session, if you if you've got good food in you, I think that makes a huge difference. Right, particularly and, carbohydrates. And and when you and I mean, you mentioned sleep and passing, but we we both know how how important that is. So, how does the marathon running and the diet affect sleep? Uh, in terms of training, yeah, uh, makes me uh, it makes me sleep really well. Actually, um, I. If, if you go running late at night, you often don't sleep as well. But I, I find it kind of helps me sleep better. But I think, yeah, I think sleep's integral. I don't think you have as much mental resilience when you're training hard if you haven't had a good night's sleep. That's just a personal like, thought of mine. Right. And, and yeah. well, that makes a lot of sense when you think about it because it's... it's your so, body's knackered. Yeah, because yeah, your body's knackered. And so, yeah. so when you're running, um, are you concentrating on anything else? Or are she, do you find it... Do you find it like a, a, a non-stressful thing to do because actually your brain's empty of anything else but running? I find it highly stressful. I think if oh. you're, especially if you're pushing yourself to get a time and you're always running hard, it's quite painful. So you're always looking at your watch, how many minutes per mile am I running at? How many reps have I got left? How, I, how many miles have I done? How much, you know, how, when's my next long run going to be? I find it quite stressful. Right. So I think so, your mind's quite occupied when you're when you're training for for a specific time, I think. Okay, so I understand that. So actually you're putting yourself under pressure by creating a situation where you're you're thinking quite clearly about the marathon. Yes, yeah, I think so. I think that transfers um, a lot into professional life as well. I, I, I don't think I'd be where I was without my marathons at all. You so, just you just need that kind of solid mind, that solid head on you. Okay, so, so I'm just thinking about, um, so when you're doing the marathon, you're thinking about putting yourself under pressure about reps and diet. I, I'm talking about this as if I know anything about it. But are you obviously not worried about work at the same time? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You are. You're worried about everything. It's quite a stressful time. That's right. why I think if you've got a, a job, if, if marathon running is all you've got to worry about, then it's kind of happy days. But if you've got a, a job or I, I imagine kids or any other responsibilities, I think it's, I think it's quite a lot to take on really. Right, because the, do you think the pressure magnifies the stress of your normal life? Because most people, when they're concentrating really hard on, like a run a marathon, 
they they lose the stress from the the rest of their lives because because they can't they can't almost can't afford to think about it. Okay, that's interesting. From um, I suppose it was just different. So nine to five, it's one type of stress, and then five to eight, it's a different kind of stress. Yes. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm, I don't see them. I don't see one cancelling the other out or diminishing the other. Right. Okay. It's just lots and lots of stress. Just lots and lots of stress. Yeah. That makes yeah. you wonder. Frankly, it makes so you're either you're either a masochist or you just love stress. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's worth it at the end, though. It's all worth it. Is I think it? it's that feeling of achievement, isn't it, uh, when you finish? So, so, to, so tell me about that. So before, in fact, before you do, so you're obviously having to. Um, you're obviously having to forgo things, or you're obviously going to have to not not allow yourself treats, and right. so so you get this fantastic, you know, this fantastic feeling. So so what's that? How do you? So how good is that feeling then, for to be able uh, to make it worth all that punishment, all that torture? It's almost a feeling of purpose. I, I it's, it's just fantastic. I think. It's a, yeah, it's a feeling of have something to, having something to focus on. I think it's quite common that when people finish a, a marathon or a, an event of some kind, they almost feel a bit down afterwards. I think right. it's the, um, yeah, it's a feeling of purpose, having a purpose. Um, it's also a feeling of sort of being untouchable. You've done this amazing thing. You get to gloat a little bit. Uh, you feel like you've achieved something. It's kind of uh, part of the bucket list, I suppose. And so once you've done one, and you've achieved that fantastic goal. Is there an addiction to do another one because you want to do I it think. again, or is it is it a desire? Because there's a difference between an addiction and a desire, if you if you know what I mean. Well, I probably a, a bit of both. I mean, I don't think anyone really enjoys actually running a marathon. I think it's probably a bit of an addiction to that feeling you get at the end of it because it's such a big deal and it takes up months of your life. I can't imagine many other things giving you that sense of achievement. Right. So I, I, I personally say it's probably an addiction for me. Right. So deferring that reward obviously must mean that you have a huge sense of personal discipline to be able to... And I'm not saying you're a saint, but how how on earth do you create that discipline to be able to to be able to do it? I think it, it could be that a part of me enjoys it. I suppose it could be that part of you just sort of enjoys. Uh, I think it's just purpose, and part of right. you enjoys having purpose, and it, it feels good if you think, yeah, you know, I ran six miles before work, or I did a good session yesterday. I think it just. It feels good when your body feel, feels good. I find the mind often feels good uh, alongside it. Right. So do you, do you find, because you said you'd stop running marathons now, is that, was that, was, was that my imagination? No, I've, I've, I keep, I'm still running, but I haven't run any distance since the last two. <laughs> right. And do you feel your mind, do you feel your mind suffers it's not because you're running less? I, I I started doing weightlifting instead, so I sort of replaced it with a different sport. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so I just yes, replaced it to be honest so I haven't really had much of a break right so you still like that purpose you still like that competitive so you're competing with yourself yeah. in a way is that, is, that, is that it yeah and I think a lot of other uh, a lot of other people are the same they just uh, people I've spoken to they love having something sort of some sort of purpose outside their work that yeah. uh, just makes them yeah gives them a reason to get up in the morning or, or go training or it doesn't have to be fitness related but I, th I think it's quite common Interesting. And so how do you bring what you've learned from the physical fitness world into your business life? 
yeah, that's been absolutely crucial. I think in a in a marathon, sort of the latter miles are really painful, and it's all it's all mental. It's all mental strength just to um, put one foot in front of the other and get to the end. So I think in work, when things aren't going well and you haven't got many clients, or you're losing clients, or you're too busy, or complaining and, and not happy. I think it's that feeling of sort of being a bit of a brick wall is definitely transferred a, a huge amount from, from the running, from the marathons. So when that, that sort of, uh, the only way I can picture it is like is you're, you're a bit of a wall. So whatever runs into you, you kind of you keep plowing through, keep going through it. I think that that's definitely come from marathon running. Right. Because so you know you can do it. You know you can get through it. You've done it right. umpteen times. You know you can get to the end. So why should it be any different for, for, for business challenges? Yeah, arguably business challenges should be less frightening to you, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I suppose this is an experience thing. If it's you know, if someone's complaining for the first time, that's obviously going to be terrifying versus something you're, something you're well used to. Um, but yeah, that's definitely has helped a measurable amount. Mm, brilliant. So, so what's the future, Charlotte? Where, where, where are you going? Where, where, where's this career, where's this business of yours going? How are you? Just growing, actually. Just growing is the plan. I want to, um, there, there's so much to learn. The industry I'm in changes at a phenomenal rate. So it's to keep learning, it's to perfect what we, perfect what we do, get better at it, and I get a really solid reputation and, and grow it, really. It's, um, I've had all my, my time doing fitness now. It's time to actually uh, get a proper career. <laughs> well, I have a proper career, but kind of, you know, uh, grow, grow the business up a bit. Yes. And, and, I mean, you've talked a lot, but you've said some things. I don't think probably you appreciate how remarkable some of the things are you've done in a funny sort of way. But, okay. um, I mean, that thing about the constant learning, the constant evolving, it's sort of critical, really, especially in, the, in your world, because I'm guessing your world changes really fast. Yeah, my world gets dated sort of every two years, so it, it's constant. I mean, it can be quite exhausting, but it's also incredibly exciting to kind of always move on to the next thing. But it doesn't mean you have to adapt and, and change change the way you do things a lot, <laughs> which is, uh, but it's exciting, it's exciting. I think, you know, you, don't, you certainly don't get stale with what I do. And what about, oh, fascinating. All right, then. Um, so if people want to talk to you more, if people want to, well, actually, before we get to that, I have to say that I've used, you and I have worked together for a long time, and I can hardly you recommend. Have. Yes. I mean, I'm one of your big advocates, so, you know, oh, you've done you. brilliant work for us, and, you know, thank and you. Uh, you are a force of nature. I was describing that as everybody I know. In fact, in, <laughs> fact, in fact, to my utter shame, you... When I was talking about writing a book, you've actually gone and written one. I know. I have. Yes. Yes, I have written one. Is this where I plug it? Well, well why not? Why Shut not? <laughs> so, um, I've written a book. It's free. Uh, it doesn't cost anything. It's called Digital Dynamite, and it's about, it's for small business owners, really, or people who have heard about search engine optimization and um, various ways to make money online and they've perhaps tried it and it's not worked. This kind of book explains the journey of, of digital up until now and why, you know, what does work, what, when you should use a professional, when not to use a professional. Um, so that's what it's about. Uh, you can get a copy at my website, actually, which is www.vis-e-b ility.com that's visibility.com um, you're really, really, really going to have to change that website address just I can't it's taken it's taken I'm afraid but I've got a, a, I think you need a new one like so I give you the other website address the other website address is much better go on then 
So if you if you email me, I'll send you a copy of the book. The um, email is charlotte at freshsourcedigital.com. Oh, fantastic. That's there we go. And if someone wants to talk, that's the book. But if anybody wants to talk to you in person or connect with you in some other shape, is that email address yeah, the same? What about, link, what about social media, Charlotte? I'm wondering if you're on any. I am on social media. Um, just anything. Oh, I'm trying to think. So my Twitter is at visibility. So it's all one word. Uh, it's the word visibility, but biz. Um, the second I is an E. So at visibility is my Twitter, and that's probably the only one I use. I'd say LinkedIn. Uh, search for Charlotte Waller. Uh, and we'll obviously we'll obviously put some links on our show page so people oh, can find you. Lovely, lovely. I haven't got them to hand, which is. Not very forward thinking of me. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you said you didn't have a plan. You just went <laughs> went round and had a vision. So there you go. But you're one of the most successful people I know who can do, who can operate that approach. I thought <laughs> if if there was some final thoughts, if there was a, if there was a final tip that okay. you had to give everybody that you've learned in your life, which is all about resilience. What what's the one thing that you would want people to really take away from your experience? What would you think it would be? Sure, I'd say that. Um, Things will always, if you just keep going, if you keep working hard, um, even when it, things feel hopeless, I find you always get where you want to get. If you, if you, if you work hard enough, it always comes. So whatever, uh, you, whatever you get thrown at you, whatever you need to be resilient against, if you keep going with it, it tends to work out eventually. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, I, you know, I actually think that's the secret, isn't it? I mean, things just too, keep going. Yeah. There's, too, there's too many people out there who either give up or I mean, there's a point where sometimes you have to give up. I suppose, isn't there? There, there comes a point sometimes where what you're doing is wrong. I'd probably say change past more than give up. I suppose, but yeah, yeah I think um, I've had I've certainly had times even recently where you kind of want to want to uh, pack it all in, and it, it always works out. It always works out to your uh, to your benefit. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte, that's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, I find that really inspirational, and I, I don't do any form of exercise oh. at all. I mean, I manage half an hour walk every morning, and I think I'm doing that's really good. well. That's good. That's enough. I often come back and collapse in the chair and need a rest, but there you go. <laughs> you just exhaust me just talking to you. But it's always great to see you, and uh, I shall be seeing see. you very soon, and then we'll be talking to the mother-dad yes. extravaganza very soon. Yes. Right? Sorry, yes, da daughter-father's extravaganza, she's saying. Oh, that's fine. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you very much for having me. And, see you uh, soon. Yeah, it's been great. It's Take been care. great. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Resilience Unraveled helps you create performance on purpose. And you can find out more about us and resilience at qedod.com forward slash resilience. Or listen to more of our podcasts. You can also find out more about our courses, our webinars, and free resources like ebooks and paid-for courses at qedod.com. Otherwise, we hope you can enjoy more of our podcasts in the future.